This podcast is dedicated to the proposition that every Christian should be a constant and devoted reader of the Bible, and that the primary business of the church and its ministry is to lead, foster, and encourage people in this life-changing habit. Well, let's uh, let's get going here on Luke. Uh, we're still in chapters 7 through 12. Yeah, 7 through 12. We kind of made it into uh, into 9, somewhere mm-hmm. in the middle to end of 9, but uh, we could kind of jump around. And we have Johnny with us, Dave Lamana with us, Ben and myself, Judah, here. And we are uh, just discussing the things that stand out to us as we are reading this book of Luke pretty slowly, I guess. But uh, So I'll just open it up. Anything stand out to you guys? This is, again, what, 9 through 12, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, 7 through 12. Yeah, 7, 7 through 12. 12. Yeah. I'm, kind of, I'm, you, I'm, I'm if, trying to close yeah. off Judah's trying to push us forward, but if you had something good on one of those early <laughs> yeah. chapters, but I want to jump in because... Let's go back um, to chapter uh, 2. Yeah. Ahead of our... Genesis <laughs> 1. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ahead of our Bible study, Johnny had mentioned something about, yeah, but what are you doing about it? What are we doing? And, and, and it made me think immediately of one passage that I was dwelling on a lot this week, which is the... They call it uh, sometimes the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we're talking in uh, chapter 10, verse 30 through 37. Yeah, 30 through 37. So starts in chap- uh, uh, verse 30. And uh, it, it actually starts before that because in the previous verses, uh, a man asked Jesus... He's a teacher. What should I do to inherit eternal life? And this is basically what you know John was touching on. You know, what do we need to do? You know, what do, what do we have to do? Is it just the Bible that we have here? But what has to be done? And so Jesus says, in my book, it says in my Bible, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And in Back then, and, and you guys may know this, I want to just lend a little bit there. They wore around their wrists, I think it's called a phylactery. Yeah. Okay. In that phylactery, they had verses. And, and the verses, a couple of the verses specifically said, love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and, and, and then love your neighbor too. They added that verse. Those were in that little phylactery on their wrist. They always kept that there. And, and why is that important? Because that's what Jesus is saying here. How do you read it? What's, what's in there that you read every day? And so the man is able to answer that with, it's from Deuteronomy 6, 5. That's one of them. And so he's able to say that verse because he reads it every, he knows the answer. You must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. And then Leviticus is in there too, 9, 18. And that is love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus says, you're right, do this and you're going to live, and you're going to live. But the man wanted to justify his actions, it says, so he asked Jesus, and, and this is what they would ask a rabbi, who is my neighbor? Now, a lot of rabbis struggled with this. Most of them would confine it to just strict Jews, all right? And, and, and Jesus wasn't your normal rabbi, as we all know. He wasn't? No, no, he wasn't. We're going to find that out, and now we get into that Good Samaritan. And most of us know the story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, so this, this uh, a Jewish man is traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he's attacked by bandits. little history on that. 
if you go down, and I was going to see this too here, if you go from uh, if you go from Jerusalem down to Jericho, you actually you actually descend 3,600 feet in nine in about mm, 17 to 19 miles. Because uh, because Jericho is uh, Jerusalem is I think twenty six hundred feet above sea level. Jericho is thirteen feet below. So you are traveling down, and the path is still there today. And it and it's a it's a windy, uh, treacherous path. Matter of fact, in the fifteenth century, Jerome called it the Bloody Way. You look it up, you can see that it's called the Bloody Way because bandits. It was ideal for bandits to you know find a place to hide and to jump people so that you know rob them, whatever, kill them, whatever they wanted to do. So they stripped this guy down, and then you've got three people. Jesus says, "Walk by a priest." So the priest comes along, and he's he's lying there. A man's lying there, and the priest crossed the other side of the road. And, and then you, you look it up and you say, okay, why would a priest do that? Well, because maybe it was, you know, he didn't want to miss his turn at temple and because he earned money. And, and if he got near a, who he thought was a dead person, because he probably thought unclean, exactly, Johnny. Okay, then you get the Levite and he's concerned about his safety, it says. You know, he saw him lying there, he looked at him, and that was probably from a distance. But what the robbers used to do, if you read into this, the robbers on the Jericho way, they used to fake that you could have been, a, you know, a, a, a dummy, a decoy. And so he walked by. And now you get a despised. My book says, then a despised Samaritan came along. And now you think the bad guy is coming. You know, Jesus telling the story. Picture everybody listening to it. And they think, oh, the bad guy's going to come. He's going to really finish this guy off. But he feels compassion. So going back to what you said, Johnny, you know, and, and, and the question here is, who is our neighbor? And that's the point Jesus was trying to get at. Who is our neighbor? Who do we have compassion for and and, and None of these other people did, but this this guy that comes by, he a Samaritan who the Jews hated. He takes care of me, does everything you know for this man, and then he even says to the innkeeper, "I'll pay you when I get back if I owe you anything else." And Jesus says, "Which of the three was a neighbor to this man who was attacked by the bandits?" And the man says, "The one who showed him mercy." And here's the clincher: Jesus says, "Yes." Now go you and do the same. Now go you and do the same. And there's the clincher right there. So that answers the question. This, are we doing that? Are we doing that? Are we just selectively choosing, as the rabbis did, a lot of the rabbis then, uh, you know, okay, be nice, to, be nice just to Jewish people. They wouldn't even be nice to, to women. It, it, that, 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 that wasn't your neighbor, so to speak, especially a Samaritan. Yeah, be nice to Jewish men. So are we doing this here? Are we going to do this? Are we being selective? It's like the church. Jude is the, uh, the head of our church. Are we being selective when we come in? But no, because we welcome everybody. Everybody's welcome. No matter who they are, what they are, what color, race, creed, it doesn't matter. And this is what we have to do. This is what Jesus is saying. Yeah. And I'll stop I, for a moment. I do want to point out on this, uh, this story that Jesus is using to teach, um, or maybe Jesus witnessed it being all-powerful, you know what I mean, being God, just and it, and it actually happened, um, which is the school of thought I tend to go with. But to put some historical context to this, Samaritans and Jews, I don't want to say sworn enemies, but they're in the same area of the world, and they did not get along. No. And you see this happen where, what is it, it's like they call it the Sons of Thunder, it's like John and James, right, yeah. and Jesus are there. And they throw stones at them. And I don't know if that actually happens in the Bible, but in The Chosen, you see it. Yeah. And they want to call down thunder and lightning, God's right. name on them. Right. And Jesus is like, 
really guys right. <laughs> really that's what you want to do you know so i just i think it's in, important to understand when you're reading this or understanding the story of the good samaritan what you're seeing is two jewish people not stopping to help somebody when they should because in the old testament if you're a jew it says it all through the old testament to love your neighbor as yourself to follow god's instruction how merciful God is, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then what do you see? You see like, not the sworn enemy, but you know, uh, a neighboring tribe or people group that you have bad blood where it could come to blows out, out on the street. And that's the guy that's gonna stop and do the, the godly thing or the loving thing that you've been instructed to do. Yeah. And I mean, we can make excuses all day about it. Oh, I didn't want to be ceremonially uh, unclean. Mm-hmm. Or what if I was scared? Uh, that could have been a bandit pretending to, it's like, does God give us a spirit of fear or power, love, strength, a sound mind, right? It's like, are we waking up in the morning and looking at like your newsfeed and you're choosing fear or the economy or the whatever, or you're saying, you know what? Jehovah Jireh, God's got me. God provides. God's almighty, El Shaddai, right? It's like Jesus is Lord of my life and if he's the sovereign, you know, all, all, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him by the Father. What do I have to worry about? If I'm in his hand, nobody can snatch me out. But what do you, what do you see here? You see Jewish people that are supposed to know better. Right. Literally avoiding conflict where this other man is like this poor, poor person. Right. And he, he, he what is it? What, what does he get for money? He's like two silver coins or something like yeah, that. And then he tells the, the, the innkeeper, whatever else he, he racks up in debt, please care for this person. I have business to attend to or whatever. He's like, I'll pay the rest of the debt. It's right. kind of like, you know me, we have a good relationship. Right. I'll pay it. Yeah, I mean, you know. It goes above and beyond the multiple areas. And amplified, if you look at it, it says, you know, essentially it was two days wages. So whatever you figure a day's wages, say it's 150 bucks or whatever, times two, so 300 bucks, he basically is giving him, say, hey, do whatever you got to do. And then, you know, you know me, I'm going to be back here. You know, and interesting thing about the Samaritans is that basically there was a big deviation right between uh, where they thought they should worship. They thought that they should worship on Mount Gerizim versus, you know, in Jerusalem where, and that was, that kind of came out, you know, in the conversation with Jesus and the Samaritan woman as well, because she's saying, well, where should we worship? And there was this whole kind of controversy. And even to this day, there's, I believe, somewhere around six to 700 Samaritans that are still, like on the mountain worshiping mountain worshiping and and, and it's it's like a little village and they're like kind of blocked off from the world but they're there but like you said i mean they they weren't i wouldn't say enemies in the sense of war like they weren't like trying to like kill each other but but it was definitely enemies in the sense of like ideology beef goes way back yeah and, and racism and you're worshiping god the wrong way and no you're worshiping god the wrong way so it was you know it was uh it was like any maybe a nationality that people tend to look down on, right? And that's, that was, it was this intense racism between the two of them that, that was, you know, they would uh, refer to them as what Samaritan dogs and whatever. And it was like this, these racial slurs that they would hurl back and forth, which again, kind of leads into the conversation that Jesus had with the woman when, you know, uh, she comes trying to get healing for what I believe it was for her son and, you know, Jesus says, you know, it's not right to give the food from the children to the dogs. And uh, and she says, well, even the dogs get the crumbs from the table. And, and I believe there's a play on words there, which I've dug into before, because, I mean, it says, you know, it's not good to, to, to give it to the dogs, because that was kind of like, you know, um, the, uh, the the slang of the day. And then she's kind of, you know, but 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 then then she uses she changes the word and, and uses the word puppy, 
you know, instead, which is, you know, is, well, hey, even the puppies get a little bit from the table. And it's it's almost like Jesus, like, yeah, let, let, let's show these guys what love is really about. Because a lot of people take that as a, he's degrading her. And, and the reality was he wasn't. But I believe that they were kind of playing along and making the scene. But like you said, it was this huge division. And it's interesting. So back to 25. And I, I'm, I'm in the Amplified Bible right now. It says, and a certain lawyer who is an expert in Mosaic law. So, I mean, this was not like, you know, a, you know, uh, uh, an apprentice. This was the teacher. This was the, the high level. Stood up to do what? To test him. So, again, this is a deliberate attack on Jesus. It was a trap being set for him. And then Jesus obviously gives his answer. Verse 29, after he does this, the guy responds, he says, but the this religious leader says, but wishing to justify and vindicate himself. Because now it's like he's feeling, it's like I came to test you, to trick you, to trap you. And now you're spinning this around on me. Then Jesus lays out that whole story, yeah. which Dave talked through. And then and then I, I just always think it's so funny, verse 37, because Jesus says, so who is the neighbor? And he answers, the one who showed compassion and mercy. But it's, it's, I, it always struck me as like, you can't even bring yourself to say the Samaritan. No. You know, it, it's like, yeah. it's like, you're just kind of, well, whichever one, like, I can't remember if it was the priest or the Levite. Or the, it was the one that was nice. You say in 29 there, and that's important there. When Jesus asked, uh, when he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Because he knows that the only one that he considers his neighbor Right. It, are Jewish people. He wants to see what Jesus has to the say Levites about this. And the yeah. <laughs> exactly, and 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 not the Samaritan. But I, I don't want to lose this. You know, somebody's following us or reading this. If you take the beginning of something, at least for me, what what stood out after I kept reading this or reading this, I went back to the top part. What you just read, teacher, in verse twenty-five. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And then skip all the rest and go down to the end. 37, the end of it, go and do the same. So you can't lose that. You got to connect those two. And I didn't do that at first. I said, okay, if you want eternal life, there's the answer right there. Eternal life, go and do the same. Well, what is the same? Love God with all your heart, soul, and, and mind, and show strength, and, and show mercy, and, and, and do the same for your neighbor. There's the answer. This is how you gain eternal life. It's right there. I mean, there's other places too that it shows it, but that thing just lit up for me. I had a question. You guys might know the answer to before I go and look it up on my own later. So if Samaritans worshipped on Mount Gerizim, right, and they bickered with the Jews about if, you know, that why would we go to that building that you built, right, in Jerusalem, did were they all like one body of people during like Exodus or something like that? Were they like, were they part of that? Like, why are they yeah. out there? Yeah, they, 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 they came from the northern tribes of Israel. And, and so they were originally sons right. of so, so they sons were, of Jacob and Israel. Right? Yeah. yeah, and then after the destruction of Israel, there be, became some discrepancies. And in the Samaritan Bible, I'm trying to see if I can find the actual words, um, but in the Samaritan Bible, where God tells them to you know to worship you know on Mount Zion or whatever, the Samaritan Bible says Mount Gerizim. And so there is this this distinction. So so they they kind of said, no, no, that's not what God said. He said this. And they said, no, 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 God said to worship him here. And so 
This is after kind of like the destruction of Israel, kind of like things are being broken up. And there's just why is thing. Mount Gerizim important? Like, what happened at that mountain? Is that the mountain of Moses, like in Saudi Arabia now? Is that like, um, is that where yeah, like God sure. God descended in the storm cloud and burned the top of the mountain and with his finger wrote the Ten Commandments and gave it to Moses? Like, is that the place? It's just a really nice tower. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got brochures. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's got a water park. Yeah. <laughs> One of the highest banks. You see, uh, Consider it from Samaritan people, it's and most who live around it. Mount Gerizim is considered the holiest place on earth. Um, it's mentioned in the Bible as the place upon first entering the promised land after the Exodus. The Israelites performed ceremonies of blessing as they had been instructed by Moses. So, this is Mount Gerizim is sacred to the Samaritans who regard it rather than Jerusalem's Temple Mount as a location chosen by Yahweh for a holy temple. So to them, that's the promised land, is that mountain. Yeah, and they... Which so makes in, sense In Samaritan <clears throat> tradition, it's the oldest and most central mountain in the world, towering above the Great Flood and providing... They say it provides the first land for Noah. Um, it's mm. also, they say, it's the location where Abraham almost sacrificed Isaac. Which, from what I understand, that's the highest point in Jerusalem is where that was allegedly... Yeah, by the Jews. Jews, on the other hand, consider the location to be Mount Moriah. Mm, exactly. Um, traditionally identified wow. with the Temple Mount. So Mount Gerizim continues to be the center of Samaritan religion to the day, and the Samaritans ascend it three times a year, Passover, Shavat, and Sukkoth. Passover still Samar uh, celebrated by the Samaritans with lamb sacrifice on wow. Mount Gerizim. So I didn't know that. So most Samaritans live in proximity to Gerizim, mostly in the small village of Kiryat Luza. Samaritan village uh, are situated on the ridge of Mount Gerizim. Yeah, I would be just as excited to go to Jerusalem as I would to go visit yeah. that, that mountain Gerizim as well. Because yeah, it's I mean, just like fascinating it, it's, history. It's definitely significant. Start um, digging there. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, convert to being Samaritan. It's like, wow, they were right. <laughs> well, could you imagine if like they found a bunch of stuff there? Yeah, and it was like, find the altar. And they were like, you're not digging here. This is holy. And yeah, they've, yeah. they've been the, the gatekeepers if, yeah. of it. You know, you never know, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like when I've, cause I, I studied uh, the Samaritans uh, about a month and a half ago. And uh, and it kind of struck me as um, like, what what is it? The... The, the the knights of what that were guarding the holy grail and and, uh, and raiders i mean and uh uh, uh last crusade indian Jones. it's just kind of like like this this very small group they're like protecting their uh, yeah, yeah. their like little mountain there it's like you know this is this is the real thing and the whole world is just kind of like advancing but they're they're stuck in time with this uh mountain wouldn't that so. be the way though where where it's like we all think it's at one place and it's been we no, we're no. all wrong it's some it's been this one other thing well what would be time. interesting about it what would be interesting it was it would certainly solve the problem of this animosity between the muslims and the jews trying to like claim the temple mount because we know revelation we know in times that something has to happen where we can reestablish a temple and, and jesus uh, just so descends <laughs> on mount gary <Garrison. laughs> like, what, what just happened he's like i was gonna go there they built a mosque over there <laughs> I think that if wow. if the Muslims, Jews, or whoever yeah. else that you reference and read this and really paid attention to just this parable, that thing would be fine. Because this is a parable. It's a parable of a number of things. First of all, charity. And, excuse me, and Jesus specifically uses the Samaritan as the hero of sorts. Right. As the, and as the good the guys or the bad guys. Exactly. Again, turning the world upside down yeah. uh, as he was wont to do in, in his ministry. 
And again, to quote that fun line from The Chosen, um, get used to different. Yeah. And this is basically what he's saying here, get used to different. Because they're looking, a Samaritan did this. So we talked about, uh, you um, expounded or elaborated on who this expert was, Judah. And so he's an expert in the law. He's a lawyer and he's testing Jesus. Picture with that kind of knowledge and, and maybe a little bit of haughtiness or maybe a lot of haughtiness as he's asking Jesus this question. And, and Jesus turning his world upside down. Just again, and that's another thing that I get out of this. This is a parable of transformation. If you want to be transformed, he's transforming that, that lawyer's world because that lawyer's thinking that only my Jewish friends, only my friends in Bible study are the ones that I have to love. Mm -hmm. But Jesus, total opposite. The Samaritan is the good guy, and, and as Judah says, he, he barely acknowledges who it was. Well, who, who, was the, who was the guy that, you know, loved his neighbors? Uh, well, um, you know, the one who helped him out. You know, yeah. like you can see him like that. Yeah, go and do the same then. Yeah, this is this is one of the things that I'm uh, a big believer in. So, you know, there's believers in God that are like Unitarian versus Trinitarian. And obviously we're all here. We all believe in the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Right. Mm -hmm. But there are some people that don't. They just think that there's just God or whatever. And that's 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 their prerogative. But in the in the Bible, it talks about um, Jesus speaking in parables and it uh, it being uh, like uh, for a king's glory to conceal something. It talks about uh it's for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see. Jesus sometimes would give a parable and they wouldn't understand. He'd be like, well, let me put it to you plainly then. And he'll just spell it out in, in plain, I don't know, Greek or Aramaic or whatever. You know what I mean? Plain English. But uh, you sort of see this here where this, this legal expert has studied it enough that he's an expert. Yeah. Right? He knows it through and through like the back of his hand. Confident enough to test a rabbi publicly. Right? right? So maybe maybe not haughty and arrogant, but so sure of himself because of the hard work that he's put in on behalf of the law, the, the Mosaic law of God, or, or what have you, right? And so he's doing, I think, his due diligence to test this young rabbi that not too many people know. He's traveling, he's doing signs and wonders, he's doing these healings, like, let's see if this guy's full of it or not, right? And so he hits him with this with this question, which Jesus totally brings clarity to what the, what the Mosaic law is is teaching yeah. and how humans in our our you can call it pride or our, our foolishness or our failure we read something and we extrapolate what we think it is with with our great genius or our great hard work or our great mind and we rest on those laurels versus jesus in this case so the reason why i bring up the holy spirit it's like jesus is revealing to him because he didn't have ears to hear and eyes to see even though he was an expert and that's what i gather out of this is I just want to make a quick comment on Jesus. I, I'm thinking about it as you're saying, you were saying, oh, you know, this guy had a good mind or this, you know. I'm thinking, as a public speaker, one of the most prized skills is impromptu speaking. And Jesus was excellent at that. He was I mean, the cheapest. Yeah. You got a picture. Yeah, you picture that. Now, he's just walking along. And how many times does he get asked a question? And here's a guy just come up, ask a question. And he's able to come up with an answer, a story, and then here's what you need to do. I don't know. I just well, the, the thing too is is you know we we can read this say verse twenty five, um, and again I'm in the amplified because I haven't changed right. back over yet, and it says and a certain lawyer, an expert in Mosaic law, stood up to test him, saying, "Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life?" Seems to us like an innocuous question because we have discussions about this now, but like that was a weighted question, that was a calculated question. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's like people that do um, scientific surveys. Right. It's like they, they study every word in a sentence of a survey. 
So, you know, saying like, oh, you know, do you prefer to have your coffee, you know, uh, black or uh, with cream? Well, they, they, they figure out like, okay, I want to make sure there's no inconsistency in this question because, you know, obviously we know in this day and age that it could be like, you know, um, you could ask a question like, do you like your coffee with cream or do you hate babies? Right. It's like by the way that they word it, they can kind of like gear, they can slant the question. So so this question was well calculated. Not only was it well calculated, it's because it seems like, well, it's a simple question. No, it's a pawn move. Right. When you're playing chess, it's an opening move. It's saying, OK, I'm moving here. And then, you know, skilled chess players, they see your opening move and it's like, OK, I see where we're. Go, like I, I, you know, kind of gives me an indication of how you're going to play the game. Okay, oh, you you move one space, two space, you open up here. Oh, you're oh you're opening up over there. Like like what you know? So you're you're playing the yeah. scenarios. So basically, it's like there's a chessboard. This guy opens it up, and it's like okay, let's see what your next move is going to be or what your move is going to be, Jesus. Because from there, this expert is now going to be able to assess and probably discredit any other move that he makes. So that's kind of the idea. You got an expert chess player, you know, two people sit down, an expert and maybe an unknown, right? He opens up, says, I'm going to see what your move is because depending on how you open up, now I'm, I already got the first move. I know I, I got all the variables. I can, oh, you open up over here. I'm going to beat you that way. You're going to open up, oh, I'm going to beat you this way. So he knows if Jesus goes this route, oh, I'm going to be able to discredit him and call, call him out for blasphemy. Oh, if he says this, I'll be able to call him. Because he knows every answer that Jesus could make, yeah. right? Like he's already got it. He's like, I'm going to open up with this move, whatever. If Jesus says this, we got him. If he says that, we got him. If he says this, we got him. Every way, we've got him. This is the perfect opening move for Jesus. And then Jesus says, okay, hold on, hold on. What, is the, what, what, is, what does the law say? And he, it's like, that's his opening move now. It's like he's taking the he night out. You know? yeah, it's like, yeah, because he knows he's got that. He knows who he's at. And, of course, the expert does respond. That's great, Judah. That's a great analogy. He, he responds in 27 that... Okay, yeah, I know what it is. You must, have it. but then and he's already taking the bait. Jesus, yeah, and Jesus <laughs> says, "Right." He says, "Right." He goes, uh, "Do this, and you'll live." And then the guy's thinking, "Oh, all right, that's not the way I wanted this to play yeah. out." He goes, yeah, "Okay, he's, yeah. he's on yeah. defensive now." Ex he's exactly. So now he makes anymore. another move. Maybe he's moving his rook, and he says, "He goes, all right." He goes, "Well, who's my neighbor?" Yeah. And now <laughs> Jesus says, "That's the thing." When they, I heard like a, a good lawyer always knows the answer to the question they're gonna ask. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly so, so here's the thing. Not only was this guy a lawyer, but he's an expert in the Mosaic Law. So he asked Jesus this question: "What must I do to inherit eternal life?" And it, you, the listeners right now might not know this, but you know there's six, approximately 613 laws if yeah. you're Jewish of Jewish descent. You, and that, you know, 10 of those are obviously the Ten Commandments, right? And then there's the other roughly 603 that involve what it's like civic, ceremonial, social. Stuff, yeah, 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 eating, working, dressing, uh, the way you display your head hair, your facial hair, the, uh, it, it's, it's, it's so much to, to bear. So when, when this expert in Mosaic law knows these roughly 613 laws and he says to Jesus, what must I do? Think about the many paths that Jesus could have taken. He could have said, well, you want to obey the Ten Commandments written by the finger of God and, right. uh, you know, on, what was it, uh, Mount, Mount Gerizim. No, don't mess with that. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, what is it, Mount, is it Mount Sinai? Is Mount, that what it is? Uh, yeah, Mount Sinai. Yeah, Sinai, excuse me. Um, and, uh, 
And so that's like, that could have been a respect, respectable answer. Yeah. And maybe the expert in law might have said, well, what about the other 603 of those? Right. Yeah. You know, where do you fall on that stuff? Right. It's like, do you have them memorized like maybe I do? Right. Do you know what I mean? And et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's a super loaded question. But another one of my favorite parts about this is this person is an expert in the Mosaic Law, this very astute, like, you know, formidable intellectual. And what do you see Jesus do? It shows the majesty of Christ. Right. with his answer that is so gracious and full of wisdom and full of light and love and all this stuff. So here's this guy who poses, a, it's a respectable question. Right. And it's an important question. How do we obtain? Right. And Jesus is just like, but he wasn't, he didn't really want to know how he Of course not. It literally says he's trying to trap him in my book. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I want to I make a comment, another comment on this. And, you know, just for anybody who might be listening to it, you know, what do you get out of it? And everybody is going to get out of it, you know, individually what they feel, but, uh, the way I'm looking at this, when I sum it up for myself, and Jesus, yeah, he's he's talking about charity, and there's there's transformation here too. We all need to be transformed to to really think the way that Jesus wants us to here, and it's action. And, and I kicked this off. I jumped into this because you made me think of it, Johnny, because you said something to the effect when I held up the Bible, say this is what we need, and you say, yeah, but we've got to do you've got to do things, and that's exactly right. The, the Levite and the priest, I'm, I'm trying to picture them. I tried to picture this, this winding path, and they're there, and they, they walk by him. Did they feel pity? They probably felt pity because most humans, you see you know, somebody mangle up, beat, maybe dead, but they didn't do anything about that. And this is what Jesus is talking about as I, as I get deeper into this. I say, the Samaritan, he saw, he had pity, but he did something about it. And, and this is what being a, a Christian is, uh, a Christian love. Christian love demands, demands that we get involved. And that's what you action, which you kicked me off. You made me think of it when you said that. Christian love demands that we get involved. And this is what Jesus is saying. These other two guys, the priest and Levite, may have felt pity. And we might have felt pity as we're listening to the story or, or any type of sad story. But if we don't get involved, if we don't take action... What does it mean? And, and, you know, I mean, I'm just thinking about as you were saying that, it's like, and again, I, I'm, I'm speculating at this point, but but it, it was probably common knowledge that you don't stop and help strangers on the side of the, this path, you know? And, and so the bloody as, way? You know, you don't so, bloody so, way. So, so as, as Jesus is telling it, as Jesus is telling it, everybody's probably like nodding their head, like, yeah, I wouldn't have stopped either. Yeah, that pretty yeah. stupid. Yeah, it's like, yeah, that's Levi. And then it's, it's like the setup and the payoff, right? It, it's like like in comedy, right? You, you set up and then you deliver the punchline. And so Jesus said, yeah, man, that sucks to be him, but you know what? I wouldn't have stopped either. And then Jesus, like, and then a Samaritan comes by and they're like, oh, man, Samaritan, oh, Samaritan, boo, Samaritan dogs. <laughs> He's like, and he stops and helps him. He's like, "What? Whoa, whoa, hold on." He didn't like, beat him this, up more. Yeah, it's like this. This guy is like, well, he obviously doesn't know. You know what's? It's, it's, for example, a story years ago. Uh, I was driving down the road with a friend of mine, and it was uh, it was a downpour, and I see a guy walking down the interstate in the middle of the downpour. Now, now, granted, I had just seen a car about a quarter mile back on the side of the road and then this guy's walking i know the exit's probably another mile and a half up so i pull over my buddy starts freaking out he's like you cannot pick up this guy i'm like dude like he's riding in this car you have the option whether you want to ride in my car or not like you can get out and walk the rest of the way but like i'm gonna pick him up and, and not, not that i was super heroic again i saw the car there I, I had an idea that this was safe and it's a downpour i felt bad for the guy but nobody in our culture would fault 
me or fault any of us for not stopping and picking up a random hitchhiker on the side of the road because we have this idea that, oh, that may not be safe, right? It's like that's not a safe thing to necessarily do. So very much similarly in this situation, like you brought up about the bloody way and all this stuff, it's like everybody was probably just like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, none of <laughs> we wouldn't have stopped for that guy. He's either. a priest. He's got to yeah. do his. You know, he can't be well, unclean. Yeah. You, you look at there's a couple of people that you, 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 we don't talk about. It. First of all, the guy that got hurt, you know, he probably was being uh, rash or foolish because most of the time you you didn't walk that way by yourself. You know, you you walked with other people. Um, it, just another point uh, of interest, maybe uh, up until the 15th or 16th century. Even at that time, this bloody trail, this bloody way was still ruled. There were chieftains locally that charged tribute or toll to pass by that yeah. to, you know, to protect you from yeah. getting robbed. But there's, a, there's another group of people in here that we don't talk about a whole lot, and that's the bandits. Now, I picture Jesus talking. His disciples are there. A lot of people that are following him, and, and they're saying, yeah, we, we want to follow this person. Others that are stragglers and are just starting to learn about him. And then there may be some that, you know, they're on the fringe of living. They don't have anything, and maybe they're not nice people, too. Maybe they, they're, they're, they're thinking, okay, you know, I did something like that in the past, like these bandits did, you know, or I was thinking of doing something like that to sustain myself. I'm, I'm speculating yeah. here like, G, like Judah does a lot. Yeah. And, and so for me, I'm thinking transformation. Maybe this transformed them, and Jesus said, no, you need to help people. You don't, you don't want to do something like that, and, and he, he touched them also. I, I never thought of it before, but I read this so many times over the last week. I said, okay, I've, I've addressed this person. I've addressed this one and that one, the Levite, the priest, the, the Samaritan. And, and then I said, what about the bandits? Yeah. Huh. What about them? Never thought of that. Yeah, it's just like a G thought. Yeah. Like the other guy's playing chess, and Jesus is like playing 3D chess. Exactly, <laughs> just to, exactly, like, Judah, I, I'm yeah. I'm so many people right now Yeah. have no clue. Yeah, think, like, I mean, yeah, exactly, like, yeah. I'm playing so many so many levels. Yeah, exactly. Right, it, it's, it's mind-boggling, and I, every time you go back, I go back, there's something else. Transformation. So I do want to talk about uh, Luke chapter 11, uh, verse 37 through 41, only because you, you mentioned charitable. The Good Samaritan was charitable and had pity on somebody. And that's it's a good segue to go into this next uh, verse in chapter 11. What verse, Johnny? Chapter 11, verses 37 through 41. It's just, just a short paragraph, but mine uh, I'm in the uh, Lexham English Bible, the LEB, and um, mine's titled, Pharisees and Legal Experts Denounced. And I actually love this part because Jesus was like a spicy rabbi. He was like, you know, he was, he would crack jokes. He was a little sarcastic. He would call people out like, you know, you den of vipers or you brood of vipers. And yeah. this is, this is a time where Jesus, it just says he addresses them as fools with an exclamation point. So it's, it's kind of insulting. And this is, this is what I think is so interesting about <laughs> this. Of. Yeah. Well, just a little. so, so I'm going to just read the opening tagline before you get to Jesus calling this person a fool. Right. So it's. And he was speaking, um, a Pharisee asked him to have a meal with him, okay? So in, as he was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to have a meal with him. He went and reclined at table. So this is Jesus going to recline at this person's table, right? And the Pharisee, when he saw it, was astonished that he did not first wash his hands before the meal. So Jesus didn't wash his hands before the meal. And if you know anything about Jews... They had to wash their hands. It was that was a ceremonial. Yeah, washing. it was. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's a big deal. It's a big part of their identity and their culture that separates them from the pagan, the Gentile, even possibly even the Samaritans. Right? Okay. So, 
Um, but the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but your inside is full of greediness and wickedness. <laughs> Fools, <laughs> right? So not only is this man invited into a meal, a, a Pharisee, and Jesus obliges, he goes with him, only to do something that is considered unclean for anybody, let alone a rabbi or a teacher. And you have to know that Jesus knows the law because he wrote right. the law himself. It wasn't accidental. He did it on purpose. <laughs> he did it on purpose knowing full well that He's he like, would. Oh, I forgot to do it. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's like he deliberately. Yeah. He does this. Yeah. <laughs> deliberately yeah. did so not he do says, it. So he says, fools, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But give as charitable giving the things that are within. And behold, everything is clean for you. So. When I was reading this, I thought of myself as almost like a chalice, like a cup, right? So here's the outside of the cup. So you're talking about charity. In the story of the Good Samaritan, that's the inside of the cup for the Good Samaritan. Yeah. He's not, he didn't do it for anybody to see. He didn't go out on a street corner and put money in, in the, um, the ministry box. Like, what is it, the woman with the, with the two pennies or whatever? Yeah, yeah, it yeah it's like she, she gave all she had and that was her heart. So this is another example. So our outside of a cup, it's like, are you, doing, are you being charitable? Because you're like, I want to check the box as a Christian. Oh, I gave my, my tenth to the church. Oh, I, I served at church or oh, I, I just attended. Did I give to a, a needy cause? Okay, well, I did it then. Check the box. Or is it actually like you following Jesus and doing this whenever the opportunities, you're blessed with those opportunities to go and be charitable, to be the Good Samaritan, right? And what's amazing about this is he says, but give as charitable giving the things that are within and behold, everything is clean for you. So he's like, don't just do the good things for the sake of doing them, but do it from the inside. Let the inside be what's cleansed, you know? Very yeah. powerful, I think. Yeah, yeah. again, getting involved. If, if we're Christians, we have to get involved. We can't just say to somebody, oh, you know, I'm, I feel sorry for you, you know, somebody that doesn't have food or shelter or something, anything like that, a need, a, 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 a specific need, an essential need. We, we, we need to get involved. We need to do something about it. Like I, I hear people say, yeah, yeah, oh, it's too bad about that, too bad. Well, what are we going to do about it? Well, you know, with that, let's, let's let's wrap up. I think we can keep going for another few hours, I'm sure. But uh, let's uh, let's tie things up here. We'll pick back up next week um, in uh, 10, 11, 12, uh, wherever, uh, wherever it kind of uh, takes us. It goes by fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah good conversation, though. So. Oh, yeah, okay. that was good. Let's, let's wrap things up. Get involved. Get involved. <laughs> yeah. Don't be a hearer of the word. Be a doer of the word. Well, we hope that you enjoyed our discussion today on the Thriving in the Word podcast. We invite you to leave a rating or a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Also consider sharing it on social media. We can't wait to be back together with you at the Thriving in the Word podcast.